You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. I was recently at the Chapter House. I'm wearing the hoodie right here. Fasoria's Chapter House here in Jackson, where uh, we, uh, we, every once in a while, we'll take a little bit of a field trip as pastors to kind of go see what other churches are up to and then kind of discuss the ways in which our churches would do something similar and, and just things like that. So we took a trip to a church to go to one of their prayer sessions and part of the reason we were doing this is because we had one person in the midst of the pastor's group who, who was uh, not very charismatic, didn't have a lot of like Holy Spirit, Pentecostal kind of background. And the church that we were visiting was a little bit in that direction. So we thought it'd be interesting experience for him to kind of see what a prayer gathering might be like in that direction. So we all went together, and I got in the car, <laughs> and I was talking with my... Uh, pastor friend, uh, a Baptist minister down the road from here, and uh, we were just talking about uh, violence. We are talking about the war that was going on with Israel and Palestine, and we were just kind of talking about different ways to go about bringing peace rather than spiraling into violence and more violence that produces more violence and things like that. And uh, as we arrived at the church and we walked inside, um, we were both pretty passionate about, man, yeah, if we could just find, like if people would pursue the nonviolent ways, we could perhaps find a better way to tell these stories. And as we walked inside, we sat down, we worshiped for about 10, 15 minutes, and then the pastor got up on stage and said, all right, we're now going to break into groups, and you and your groups are going to, to uh, um, the first thing I want you to pray about is about the war in Israel. And we're just going to pray for Israel. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is so the opposite of what we were just talking about in the car, about a different way to go about bringing about peace rather than just giving in to more violence. And so the pastor's like, you're going to break into groups, and then one by one, you're going to have your, your people come up and kind of pray what you've all been praying for. It's like, oh, I'm about to make this so awkward for my people when I'm like, hey, I'm going to pray in a different direction than this. <laughs> and then... The pastor who's there, who I know a little bit, comes to join our group. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dear goodness, this is going to be any more awkward. And um, I was like, Jamin, would you like to start? I was like, hey, <laughs> I, I can start if you want, but I don't think I'm like, I'm not just going to pray that Israel kills everybody or, you know, like just I Palestinians are people too made in the image of God and I'm going to pray for peace and that you know if God's anywhere in the midst of this battle is underneath the rubble because that's it's, it's where we find him with the, the lowly and the hurting and the beat up so I mean I'll pray if you want me to pray but it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be not in the direction you're looking for and in that moment uh, things shifted a little bit um we all began to pray in a different direction, not just for like one side of a, a battle, but recognizing that all people are made in the image of God. All people are made in the image of God. 
And therefore, all people are on the same level of respect and love. I understand that we can do some really, really horrible things. The kinds of things that Hamas did, of course, at the beginning were incredibly evil. But trying to find a different way when Jesus is your prince and you want to follow a prince of peace, sometimes you've you got to find a different way forward. For Jesus says that the sons of God are peacemakers. The children of God are peacemakers. They, they don't just give in to violence over and over again. So we pray. I pray in a different direction. And now he has to go up on stage and kind of represent our prayers as we prayed it, which I think curved a different direction than when he was originally going to go up and pray. He had to now kind of pray what we had all prayed together. I find that a lot of times we get caught up in that state of just violence, violence, violence. It's what we see all over the place. It's what we watch even in our most tame movies, uh, our cartoons, everything that we do, our comic books. Like it's all centered around violence. And we have this myth that we've created about redemptive violence. That if I beat you up just enough, like I can bring peace to the world and I can fix everything. But... Theologians have long talked about the domination cycle, and it's something that we've seen all throughout history. It's the way in which Babylon tends to work. It rises up against its oppressors, and it takes them down, and then the people who are on the bottom have now become the new oppressors who have moved to the top to take things down again. And then Jesus comes along, and he shows us a very different way of going about domination, where domination actually looks like humility. It looks like servanthood. It looks like recognizing the image of God, not only in the lowly people around you, but also in your oppressors. And so Jesus, time and time again, calls us to love our enemies, and then he loves his enemies. Jesus doesn't just eat with the, the castaways. Jesus also eats with the Pharisees. The people are going to get him killed. Jesus doesn't just look at every Pharisee as like an evil person who can't get it right. He doesn't just stereotype them. He actually finds the ones who are hungry, like Nicodemus, and he meets him to try to show him more of what the gospel is really like. Jesus is an enemy lover, and he's willing to go to a place of, of great sacrifice on his own behalf in order to bring about peace. Jesus is willing to take on the cross and die for his enemies if that's what it takes to turn them. And a lot of us, like, we constantly talk about, like, no, 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 these, these kinds of things, Jamin, they don't work. What, are you just going to be pushed around and that's just going to make things better? Well, that's kind of the story of the cross. Jesus was kind of pushed around. And that was able to bring about a redemptive story. Now, I want to be careful about that because Jesus is not advocating that we just let people beat us up and oppress us and push us around. Uh, I've, as I've worked with people, I've seen the Holy Spirit give them visions to forgive differently. Like, uh, I had one person I was working with who they knew that there was someone they had to forgive, and they prayed about it, and they, they really felt like Jesus gave them this strong image of, no, you need to forgive the person while standing up to them at the same time. 
You need to take your ground and not let them push you to the ground and forgive them at the same time. That's kind of like a peacemaking tactic. Not just like, I'm going to let you dominate me and that's the it, but like, I'm going to take a stand for myself. I'm a person. I'm standing up to you. How you're treating me is wrong. I forgive you for it anyways, but you need to stop. Like, peacemaking is not just being a pushover. Likewise, uh, peacemaking is, is not just... Uh, um, Peacemaking is not just being pushed over. And I lost my train of thought, as you can all see. All right, sorry. Peacemaking is also not just like pointless violence upon yourself. You notice that the way that Jesus does peacemaking is like different kind of shifts um, that make people think differently. So like, for example, he doesn't, teach people to just like if somebody slaps you just like you know just like fall to the ground and and let them beat you up he says no turn the other cheek that's that's actually a very different way of of trying to make peace with someone if somebody slaps you on one side of the cheek and you you have the audacity to like here's the other one would you like to do that too those moments have ways of like messing with people's minds jesus is like psychologically like how how far do you want to go buddy you want to keep going because like i'm offering you more that is a way of waking up the person on the other end of like okay well now i look like a fool <laughs> i took my aggression out and this person is going to let me keep going yeah you know, like jesus jesus has ways of just kind of like subversively bringing about the kind of peace that he's trying to bring about And as he comes into the world in the story of Christmas, he comes to us, as Isaiah prophesied, as a prince of peace. And if you're followers of a prince of peace, then you should be peacemakers. So when you see that the world has problems going on in it, you need to step in. When we saw that the world was starting to say a whole lot of bad things about Muslims, and we know our Muslim neighbors are not like that, we step in to say, hey, the church across the street, we love you. We're your neighbors. We don't think of you like that. When um, more statements like that came up after a bunch of Trump's rhetoric in the early election years of the previous election, a bunch of us pastors, I mean, you can still find it on MLive, bunch of pastors across Jackson wrote an open letter saying, this is not our Muslim brothers and sisters. We love them. Please stop talking about them like that. That's peacemaking. We're trying to step in the gap. When we see that drug addicts are just being stigmatized and being given no way out, and people come up with a lot of very strange ideas of, of, of their lives, like, oh, they could just stop if they wanted to. Like that's not the way that addiction works. It's not the way that the brain chemistry works and all these other things. Like, They need a lot more help than that. And so those of us who are willing, we step in and say, we know that this is more complicated and we want to make peace with you. How can we help you get out of this in a way that's going to be helpful? And then we start to learn the science. And then we start to learn about stigmatization. We start to learn about all the things that come in the midst. When our eyes become open to things that they weren't open to before, we don't turn a blind eye and walk a different direction. So like stories of like gender abuse, for example. 
there's a lot of a lot of really bad stories with churches and pastors where they hear about gender abuse and they have no idea how to respond and they respond horribly sending people back into gender abuse that's not peace that's not like that's the bad kind of like pushover type stuff like that's we are not creating more of that that's not peace we actually need to start learning about gender abuse to say that this is wrong and this needs to stop. And I've seen these mannerisms before. Your spouse should not be hurting you like that. And we can either educate ourselves to figure out how to step into that scenario so that we can create peace, or we can turn away and just walk away because we heard the story and we don't want to hear any more about it because it just seemed too weird. Seem to like, oh, that gave me anxiety. I'm out of here. The church does that sometimes. But the church sometimes will create more chaos and more dysfunction because they're not willing to figure out how to step into those kinds of stories. And so we just create chaos when we're not following the Prince of Peace. When you have a, a social justice issue come your way, when someone around you experiences something that that you haven't seen before. Your reaction should not just be to scram, to run. This is too much, I'm out. Your reaction should be, how do I make peace for this person? How do I step in? And if the case seems so far beyond you, then how do you plug them into somebody who does know what to do? See, Jesus came to bring peace peace to the world. He cares about all of the facets of your life. And this is one of the things that we just, we often miss in Christianity today. So we just talk about Jesus as though he came to save us from sin. He came to die on a cross. That's really the only thing that matters. He's made peace in your life through that. That's a huge deal. But the way Jesus talks throughout the gospel is holistic. He cares about all the components of your life, all of the pieces. He wants it so that all of the different kinds of emotional pains will find peace, that the sociological pains will find peace. He wants his church to be like the Church of Acts that took great measures to make sure that the people around them were experiencing God's shalom, his peace on their life. And that's a, it's a tall order. Even Jesus said, there will always be poor among you. So he understood, like, in this age, yeah, there's, there's always going to be dysfunction and chaos. We're never going to overcome it all. But never did he say, so don't worry about it. He constantly pushed his people forward. Every step of the way, all the things that he does throughout the gospel is, is trying to promote the chaotic areas and bring peace to them. And so, yes, God is born to us homeless. Right from the get-go, he has medical problems and the fact that he couldn't get even just a like mid-proper space to be born. He's born inside of of a place where he shouldn't even be. He's put in a feeding trough, right? Instead of getting even just a little bit more proper care. Instead of one family hearing that there's a pregnant woman outside, oh, we'll give up our space for that. We'll, we'll figure something else out. And he goes from that to having his life threatened 
He becomes somewhat of like a very early aborted child as Herod tries to come for him. And then he becomes a refugee. He has to leave the country and live somewhere else for years or he will die. And even God knew that that was a severe moment because he sent an angel to Joseph to say, you got to get out of here. Jesus died as an innocent man at the hands of capital punishment. How often do we hear those stories? Surely there was racism toward Jesus too. This is just another Jew we're going to crucify. I guess it's not a big deal. It's probably the way that the politicians were thinking. Jesus was the subject of so many sociological problems where peace is needed. And Jesus spent his whole ministry ministering to so many people undergoing sociological problems and bringing peace where they didn't have it. I don't know if you ever caught it, but the the woman with uh, um, the issue of blood, she had this issue for so long that she was broke. She had paid all the hospital bills. There was no money left. And then Jesus comes along with his free health (laughs) care. And he loves her, and he pulls her out of the mess that she's been in. That's going to change her financial situation. Before, she was known among Jewish culture as, like, unclean, but now she's become clean to everybody. That's going to change her sociological situation. Her body is now healed. That's going to change her physiological situation. Her spirit has now been touched by Christ himself. That's going to change her spiritual situation. God is a God that cares about all the pieces His heart breaks when he sees the pain that you're going through. He created the world for it to be at peace and for it to expand peacefully. But it is through our sin and through Satan and the whole underworld of of spiritual beings that continue to throw us in disarray and our own free will throwing us in disarray. It's through all these things that time and time again we choose to lean into the darker stories that we can tell. We choose to lean into the violent stuff. We try to smite all of our problems away in the name of Jesus. But Jesus comes very differently. And if you haven't noticed that, then just read the Sermon on the Mount every day for a week. As you do that, you're going to notice, man, this is not the first human reaction that anyone would have to anything. Like I literally have to change my whole mentality of how to act in life if I'm gonna follow the Prince of Peace. Cause like this isn't the first reaction, it's not the second reaction. I have to like turn half the book through before I get to this as my solution. But Jesus calls us to that. Think differently. Be bold in the way that you think. Martin Luther King Jr., part of the reason that they would just kind of go out in these marches and turn the other cheek was intentionally to get media attention. Because he figured, you know, if people really just saw us peacefully walking down the road and being beat up by cops and by other people in the community, that's going to cause people to watch that on TV and say, that's not right. Is anybody else watching this? 
And so that's exactly what he did. They would go into towns and they would make a big stink to get lots of attention. They wanted the media. They wanted all that. Like some people would look at that and be like, oh, well, I just thought, you know, they just had kind hearts and they were just trying to, you know, just do it out of the goodness of their hearts. Like, yeah, but they were also wise about it. They were trying to make peace. And in order to do that, they needed media attention. And people would watch these riots on TV and they would see all of these peaceable people walking through the town just being hit and beat up and smoke bombed by other people. And that causes you to say, that's not right. That needs to stop. They weren't just taking it. They were being wise about the ways in which they pushed back. And that was one of the ways in which America started to change its mind on things like segregation. Jesus tells us to be innocent as doves, but shrewd as serpents. Innocent as doves, but shrewd as serpents. Sometimes that causes you to, am I saying that right? Yes, I'm saying that right. <laughs> like, did I say that backward? Or dove shrewd? Um, that causes you to have to think through things a little differently, to be clever in the way that you respond. Because those clever moments have ways of changing things. Uh, the band can come up. I know it's a piece of fiction, but I think about it often when I'm talking about uh, Jesus and pacifism. I think of uh, the bishop and Jean Valjean, right? Jean Valjean has gone through his own sociological problems. He should not have been put in prison in the first place, especially with a sentence as long as he was because he just took some bread because he was hungry. So he had already fallen to um, bad judgment on his behalf, judgment that just saw him as another robber. And a bishop takes him in, and Jesus, uh, sorry, Jesus, Jean Valjean. <laughs> a bishop takes him in, and, and Jean Valjean is so surprised that uh, he's being cared for in this way because nobody else would care for him. And then Jean Valjean makes a decision to just steal a bunch of stuff around the bishop's house and sell it so that he can uh, try to get back on his feet. And the cops catch him, and the cops bring Jean Valjean back to the bishop saying, he stole your silver, we brought it back for you. And the bishop has a surprising peacemaking reaction to Jean Valjean. He sees the situation, he knows the injustice, he sees the sociological problems and all that, and he knows if he says that uh, Jean Valjean did steal his silver, that Jean Valjean is going back to prison for the rest of his life. And so he just responds. He's shrewd and he's wise. That's, I gave that to him. Like in that moment, a better story is told. A, a different pattern is created. Rather than the repetition of violence, rather than just being tossed back into prison where no redemption was going to come, Jean Valjean's life is redeemed through the bishop's peacemaking actions, trying to think outside of the box. And that's what Jesus is calling you into with peacemaking. That's what the Prince of Peace wants to do for you. He wants you to think outside of the box, that your knee-jerk reactions, you don't get caught up in your amygdala where the fear center kicks in and tells you everything to do. Instead, you get caught up in a 
Holy Spirit center where God can help you think of a, a different way forward. That often starts with daydreaming ahead of time. What would you do if you were in a situation? Is there a different way to go about it? And I don't know why this always happens to me, but every Christmas, for some reason, <laughs> I wonder, what if somebody broke into the church and stole all our stuff? And then I'm like, we would, we would Bahu Doris our way through it, you know? Like, we just come together like the... The, what are they called? The who, who's. The who's of Whoville. And we would still have Christmas service. And all of Jackson would be like, what is that? They're still singing. I can't understand. Now that, I know that sounds foolish, but like, that's a daydream I already have these days. Please don't test me on it. I don't want my stuff stolen. <laughs> but it's a daydream I already have today of like, how could I respond differently in a way that would just surprise our neighbors? I would surprise Jackson. Anybody who stole these things, like, we, we like those things, but you must be in a really tough place if you needed it. I hope that it's able to help you pay your bills or something like that. We bless you. Take our stuff. Those are different ways of responding. Those are different peacemaking ways. So if Jesus can be born to us in the sociological situations that he was that needed peace, so we can keep our eyes out for the same things to bring peace in those situations when we see them.